heart and soul and mind and strength. Don't just fake some external behavior like some offering or sacrifice. Make it an all-in thing. Men, we are here to worship and uh, fired up about that. Great to be here with you guys and excited for it and love the words to this song. Brings me to tears to hear it. Don't let the rocks cry out on your behalf. Bring your worship with all you've got. Man, that's the next two weeks. That's what we're talking about. This is a mini-series. We're going to be walking through what does it mean to have my worship and my service on fire for Jesus Christ. My worship and my service. That's the tagline for this series, my worship and my service as we go after our God with all we've got. We're going to focus today on my time and making sure that wherever I place my time, my focus, my energy, that I'm worshiping my God in the midst. Man, it is so easy in this distracted broken, let's be honest, somewhat annoying world to be able to get our worship way off kilter. May we put our worship where it belongs on our God with all we've got. Ready? And all of God's people said, amen, Amen, man. So turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. And we're going to walk through a little bit of placing my time on him. How do I respond? Point number one, actively, purposefully, fully pursue your king from a heart of love. Actively, purposefully, fully. Think about it, actively, like I'm fully engaged, purposefully, with a cause, fully, all in. May I pursue my king from a heart of love. Okay, we're jumping in and we're starting in Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. And as we pick this up, just so we've got the context, right before this, Jesus is talking to the Sadducees. There's sort of this collective group. We'll just, they use the word scribes. There's a group of them. And that can include the Sadducees and the Pharisees, a couple of different names underneath. The Sadducees were guys who were like, I don't know if there's actually a resurrection. I don't know if there's any kind of life eternal after this. I'm not sure I believe in that. The Sadducees were questioning it, and uh, everybody just say they were wrong. They were wrong, and there was a lot of battle that went on between the Pharisees and Sadducees. The Sadducees went at Jesus with that. Jesus had some quick answers for him. In fact, he went to the Old Testament. He exegeted some passages. He's like, then why are we seeing uh, all of the patriarchs who we know are saved? They're trusting God with their lives. They're saved. They're in the present tense, not the past tense. Man, they exist, and he exegeted several different passages. He schooled them on the fact that there is life and life eternal. That's where we're picking it up now, starting in verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. He heard Jesus and the Sadducees talking and heard the fight going on, the discussion taking place. It says, and seeing that Jesus answered the Sadducees well... The scribe asked Jesus a question, seeing that he answered him well. In fact, he was sitting there listening, and he's like, man, we keep going through this with the Sadducees all the time. And then he hears Jesus just bring it. And after he makes it clear from Scripture what's going on, the scribe's like, all right, this guy knows what he's doing. And so he turns around and says, because he liked the answer, it was answered well, he now has a different question for him. He says, which commandment is the most important one of all. This is a really big deal question for the scribes. The scribes recognized 613 commands. 
613 commands that they needed to live by daily, regularly. There were a lot of thou shalt nots. There were a lot of thou shalts. There was a lot of command and a lot of order and structure that was placed into their life with these commands. And so one of the things that they strove to do was to try to put their arms around all of those 600 plus commands and try to distill it down and summarize it. It was an effort that they used a lot actually to try to summarize the commands. And sometimes they came up with a general summary. Sometimes they were like, which one is the most important? That's where he's going with this. He's like, give me a little help. We wrestle with this a lot. 613 commands. How do I handle it? Which one is the greatest? I love the next two words. Jesus answered. Just got to let that settle, man. The scribes have been wrestling with this problem for centuries. Which command is the greatest? How do we summarize this? He says, okay, Jesus, you answered them well. How do you summarize it all up? Jesus is like, here's how you summarize it up. Like he's got the answer just right out. There's no, he asked me that question. How do you summarize it up? I'd be like, I don't know, man. You guys have the laws. You've had them for a long time. What do you summarize them as? Like it'd be a wrestle to try to come to it. Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. He's God of the universe and he's got a little bit of direction. Jesus answered. And uh, I believe that there was a little bit of pause in his answer now. It says, the most important is, doesn't say it, but I bet there was a pause. You know how when you stop and you get people to lean in? He's like, hey, what's the most important command? Jesus is like, all right, the most important command is, and you know, everybody's like, yes? Like you almost start taking a step forward, right? Like, okay, what is it? And the most important one is, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I'm telling you, as soon as he forgot the first two words out and he got to the third, people started quoting it. The scribe probably started quoting it with him. He's like, hero, he's like, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Yeah, they know the command. In fact, this is something that strong, devout Jews would pray once in the morning and once in the night every day. They were praying this twice a day all the time. In fact, this comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And so this was called the Shema. Why? Because the word here in the Hebrew is Shema. In fact, they would pray it in the morning and the night and it would sound something like this. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Right, that's Hebrew, the Lord our God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Break it down. Hear, it's in the command form. Let it hit your ear. Let it affect your thinking and your mind. May it affect your body. Hear this and respond to this. May this be true in your life, O Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. We have a king of the universe. He's God over it all. Man, we as saved believers today can cry out, the Lord our God, the Lord my God. And all of God's people said, and don't miss the possessive nature, the privilege that we can have in him. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Like he is unique. There is none like him. Like there is none other like him anywhere. The Lord is one. Partly it means that. Partly it also means this. The Lord is one. He's not like a many-sided God. He's not pantheistic. He is monotheistic, and while all the other religions are delivering up some level of hope in the many gods, we deliver up hope in the one true God. 
He is king of the universe. He speaks and this world is created. He is making this place on fire for who he is, the one true God, and there is no one like him. That is our hope. He's like, let me tell you, you want the one great commandment? Well, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Make sure you're worshiping the God of the universe who is one and one only. There is none like him. In fact, he is beginning to usher in the greatness of God, and he starts on continuing with Deuteronomy 6.4, moving forward. He says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you shall love the Lord your God. Respond to this one God of uniqueness. Respond to this king who is like none other with a love. Now this word in the Greek is a very unique word. It's the word agape. It means sacrificial love. It means placing yourself on the line for him. Please hear me, man. Jesus Christ, he loves us. It's for God so loved the world. We have God the Father who loved us. He sent his son to die. Jesus went to the cross. He died for you and for me. He lived a perfect life. The cross was not his to bear. It was ours to bear. And Jesus died on the cross and he rose again and he brings us hope. Sacrificial love. God's not asking us to do anything he's not already doing. Y'all get that? As he calls for us to love him, he's like, I'm pouring it on to you first. Just live it and reciprocate it back. Love the Lord your God. Sacrificially lay your life on the line. And then he gives some description of it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He gives four different pieces here. In fact, in the Hebrew, there were just three, but he adds one in here that kind of got the Greek thinking going, adding the mind in there, making sure they understand all of you fully encompassed in this. And so let's just break it down. The heart, well, the best way to think of the heart is it's your control center. It's where all of your desires, where your emotions, where your passions, where your hungers, where your reasonings go on. The heart, it's your control center. And if you're handing your control center to him, best word for that, surrender. Like surrender to your God. Make sure he's in charge. He says with all your heart, with all your soul. This is a highly self-aware portion of you, the soul. Very aware of life and living, of value, of happiness, of joy, the soul. A very self-aware part. And he's like, hand your soul over to him. And as you hand your soul to him, you're putting him in charge, like my self-value under you, you're in charge. Well, that's humility, right? As you begin to put your heart and your soul together, you have surrender, you have humility. And then he's like, and your mind, like everything you think, your thought life, hand it over to your God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, to think on these things, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise. Man, place your mind on those things. And it is so easy in this moment, in this era, in our country to place our mind on the annoying, the wrong, the things that dissatisfy me. Whatever it is you may have on your news or your podcast that is just constantly spinning you out. Be careful. Make sure your mind is placed on your God largely. It doesn't mean we don't deal with problems but it does mean we don't spiral out on them. And all of God's people said, huge deal. 
Make sure your thought life is focused on him. And yes, your heart, yes, your soul, yes, your mind, and your strength, it ultimately needs to affect our hands and our feet, follow through, our body engaged. He's like, hear me, love the Lord your God all in. Heart, soul, mind, like everything inside, and strength, everything outside. Lay it all on the line, all in, nothing held back, Go all in for your God. Everybody just say, all in. Man, he's talking about nothing held back, all in love for your God. Don't let your worship be set aside. All in for your king with all you have. He's like, love the Lord your God. That's the greatest commandment. Hey man, you want to look at all the laws? You put your God first and foremost. You put it over everything and you let that worship rock. That's what it is. And then he goes one step further. He says, and the second is this. He wasn't asked for a second command. But he's like, let me help you out because it's going to be the next question you would have. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love, same word, sacrificial, lay it on the line, nothing held back, all in for your neighbor, for the one next to you, for the person you come across who may be hurting and struggling, lay your life on the line. Love your God and love others. Sums up 613 commands on a daily basis. Get after those two and you got it nailed down. That's what he was teaching out. Man, it's hugely important for us to grasp to love one another's. And it's easy for us to start to kind of distill it down. At least each of us, we sort of come up with our own way of loving others and we keep doing that way. We get used to that. The only catch is you may get a little narrowed in your thinking when you do that. Be careful, just make sure you're really widely understanding what it is to love others. And it's a huge deal as we wrestle through this summer, as we're beginning to see things open up, as we're going back to schools now and seeing so many schools up and running, praise God for that, and things going well in the moment, praise God for that, and we're continuing to watch those things and be praying over those things. Man, may we love one another in that. Let those words settle. May we love one another in that. Love the Lord my God all in and love those around me with all I've got. Sacrificial love all in. You know, I'll just say this. We as elders have had to make a lot of decisions over the past handful of months that uh, not enjoyable decisions, I'll just be blunt. Not enjoyable on figuring out what to do and how to go after. Like, how did we decide what to do with the church and when to roll things out and how to roll things out and what we're going after as we roll these out? Uh, let me just give you four words that may help you in loving your Lord, your God, and loving others as yourself, okay? This is four things that we as elders put down as kind of a guideline for us as we were making decisions. Here we go. Point number one, we will always be biblical, Biblical, we will never violate scripture. And if you're gonna love the Lord your God and you're gonna love others, you will be biblical. What does scripture say? And I'm gonna follow through on it and that's the end of it. We will not step back and violate scripture. And all of God's people said, huge deal, man. And it's number one, 
it stands, number one, and it never gets moved off of it. Number two, we will be respectful. We will be respectful. And uh, this means that God has placed certain leadership in charge and a local leadership and governing leadership that we're going to strive to respect at some levels. And I want to hear, hear me on this now. That doesn't go too far. That doesn't mean that it gets to the point where number one gets lost. We will be biblical first and foremost, but we are going to be respectful of those leaders in place. There is a point that we will have to take a stand if things keep getting pushed and that we will need to push back and say, no, we have to remain biblical and so here's how we're continuing. In fact, I have a little bit of an example for you in just a second, but there's a point where we will take a stand. We're not there yet. As elders, we don't believe that we've been asked to violate scripture yet, but we are easing back in and we are releasing out and know this, we are always on watch. And if we do get asked to in some way have to violate scripture, that's the end of it. We take the biblical stand. Just know that's where we're going. Ready? And all of God's people said, okay, that said, next, unifying. So biblical, respectful, and now unifying. And this is a big deal. And we've got a lot of range of people in our body. There's from the high risk, people that may get very sick, people that have a lot of complications going on. In fact, many of you may be at home and online with us right now. We love you. You matter to us. And um, man, we are largely continuing online service because we long to see people be able to be with us one way or another. And all of God's people said, huge deal. There are people at risk. We are going to manage that. There are those who are wrestling with fears. Maybe there's not as much risk, but they're just not really sure. They're not clear how to manage. They're trying to figure it out. Maybe that's with pulling back. Maybe that's with more of the mask wearing or whatever they may go after, but there's a lot more fear going on. There are others largely that are like, whatever, dude, let's just get on with life. Just so you know, that's a lot of people. There's a large percentage that are in the whatever, let's get on with it. Whatever it has to be, let's go after it. And then there are a group that are very upset, very angry about some freedoms and privileges that matter to them. Please hear me on this. All of you matter to the elder board. All of you matter to me. And we are leading with all we've got to be a unifying force for this whole church. Ready? And all of God's people said. Dude, that's a huge deal. Amen, man. I appreciate the three applause, right? It's a huge deal. Don't miss it, unifying with all we've got as we try to rally this church together and love one another. And here's the last one. Biblical, respectful, unifying, principled. Principled. What do I mean by that? Well, we're going to abide by the spirit of the law, maybe not necessarily always the letter of the law, and you need to hear me on that. Like, just so we're super crystal clear, right now the governing officials have asked that churches would go no more than 25% or 100 people in the room. Do a little head count. We're over that. But we are managing social distances and we have somewhere around the 25-30% and as long as we can manage the social distancing, we are hitting the spirit of the law. So we're asking people to, yes, come in and exit with masks. Why? Because we love one another, unifying. We're allowing people to have the freedom they want to have as they sit socially distanced. You can go mask up or mask down. Why? Because we love one another. And we're rallying this solution together to make it make sense 
for the all of this church as we follow after our king. And uh, man, right now we are in the letter of the law violation as we're over 100, but we are social distanced and we're being wise to all of that. May God get the glory principled in our decision. Hopefully you see a little bit of what I'm talking about. It is not easy to just say, love the Lord your God, love your neighbors yourself. Okay, let's go, right? Apply these things, biblical, respectful, unifying, and principled. And let me just say it this way. Man, if you can, if you're healthy, we would love to have you joining us at church in person. If it's at all possible, if not, we've got online for you and it's there for you and we love you. And if you can, we'd love to have you join us and that'd be awesome. And if you can, we would love to have you serving with us and pouring in. Just so you know, there's a lot of limitation to the serving right now and a lot of people not wanting to do that at the moment for whatever reasons. And if you can, then joining us in that, may we love one another. Ready? Love the Lord your God and love one another. Pretty basic, right? It all comes down to one word, love. By the way, God is, and so he's calling us to do the same. May God get all the glory, all right? That is the first and the greatest commandment, and that is the second one as well. I love this part. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. Like, hopefully you read that and you're like, dude, this guy does not know who Jesus is, right? And he's like, let me give you a little encouragement. You are so right, teacher. Nice job, way to go. So the scribe, from his position of authority, saying, okay, I agree with it. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And so to love him with all the heart and with all of the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, ready, is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. He's bringing scripture together and he's like, it's so not about some behavioral modification on the outside. It's about all of my inside and all of my outside in alignment with my God. It says, and when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. In fact, the only thing this guy's missing is, by the way, you're talking to God himself right now. The one piece, you do need to grasp who Jesus Christ is and then you're saved, but you're getting it, man. Yes, all in, inside and out. And after that, no one dared to ask Jesus any more questions. They're like, dude, the guy knows everything. He's got it going on. Let's just follow and go after him with all we've got. It's a huge deal. May we be all in. Everybody just say all in. Inside and out, okay? And uh, That said, um, this past week has been an interesting run for me and my wife. Um, got a call from Jonna midweek, and uh, she's like, hey, just so you know, um, we're in trouble. I'm like, okay, what's going on? She said, well, when you get home, I'll show you. When I got home, uh, it turns out that Jonna's social security number was stolen, as well as her name and our address, and apparently we now own a poultry farm. <laughs> and somebody took that information and went to the government in the federal uh, handouts that were going on back in March, April, May for businesses and made up a poultry farm, gave it to John under her social security number and said, dump the money off at this bank account that they owned. And they took $87,300 in the name of my wife. Either that or John has a poultry farm I don't know about, <laughs> right? 
So like 87,300. So we had to walk through this this week. We talked with the Small Business Association and got them to know that they've got a problem. They do have a lot of that going on. There's been a lot of falsifying of records and we shut down her credit checks and we've kind of gone through the local means because you don't know where it even got stolen from. So we had the Morton police over and got a fraud account with them. And, and like we've walked through all the different pieces that we need to be walking through to get things safely locked down. Praise God, all they did is, t I can't believe I'm saying these words, all they did is take $87,300 in one loan and they didn't go after any credit cards or anything else like that. And uh, bank accounts, all that's protected and safe at this point. So we've notified everybody, locked everything down and we're trying to get that loan removed. Here's the deal, man. They walked up and they posed. They pretended on the outside like they were Jana, but on the inside, they were not Jana at all. And Jesus Christ is saying the same thing. No posing, men. No trying to make it look like something on the outside, but the inside ain't there. All in. Heart and soul and mind and strength. Don't just fake some external behavior like some offering or sacrifice. Make it an all-in thing. That's what he's talking about. Make your worship on fire. I'm telling you, please hear me. Apathy and anger have been a large-scale destruction to the worship of the church this summer. Apathy and anger. Don't let it tear your soul apart. Time for all of me to be re-engaged with my God all in. And all of God's people said, amen, man. So simply put, how are you spending your time? How are you spending your energies and your passions? Man, are you working in your job all in for Jesus Christ? And are you willing to be a good employee? Are you willing to be a good spouse, a good family member, all for your king? Are you willing to be a good citizen in this United States? Please hear me, man. It's not wrong to understand your responsibility as a citizen. Don't go overboard on some of it where you're trying to control what isn't yours, but the vote is yours. Know that. Be prepared, be registered, be ready to be able to take care of it whichever way you want to go with that. Make sure that you are absolutely all in in your worship in all areas. And man, what does that look like with the church? Are you ready to be all in? Getting back together again, it gets so easy as we get used to laying back to just say, it's kind of nice. But the reality is we do have to kick the heat up on our worship. And if you can be in person, then do be. And if you can't, then join us online. And let's be all in in our attendance and going after it. Let's be all in if you can serve, being willing to go after that. May God get all the glory. That's what it looks like. All in. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Massively unifying as God truly is celebrated. And all of God's people said, point number two, Worship Jesus the King from a heart of humility, not pride. Worship Jesus the King from a heart of humility, not pride. It says, and as Jesus taught in the temple, he continued to say some things. He said, how can the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? Now, he just had to go head to head with the Sadducees, really kind of a portion of the scribes. Now he's had another scribe who's asked him the great commandment. He's like, do you notice I'm scrolling all the scribes? So let's just say here, why is it that they say the Messiah, the Christ, is the son of David. There's David, then there's his kid, then there's his kid's kid, and so on down. In the lineage, that's who you would call a son of David. Somehow he is an offspring of David. That means he came after him. A human being who came after him. 
Well, here's a problem. David himself, in the Holy Spirit, declared, everybody say inspired, right? In the Holy Spirit, meaning when David wrote this in Psalm 110, verse 1, it's the Holy Spirit-inspired Scripture. I love that in this moment, Jesus is actually saying all Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, giving you a little understanding. He's like, why did David, saying in the Holy Spirit-inspired, say this? The Lord, Yahweh, said to my Lord, the Messiah, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. When Yahweh says to Messiah, sit here, and David now has just referred to the Messiah as my Lord. So Jesus says, why is it that that's written down? David himself calls the Messiah Lord. So how is he his son? And that's exactly what it sounded like after Jesus asked that question. <laughs> Dead silence. Here's what Jesus is beginning to get him ready for. You need to know who I am. And yes, the son of David. And yes, the son of God. You need to grasp this. Fully God, fully man. Answer this question. Why does he call him son of David? Because there is lineage. And down through that, you see with both Mary and Joseph, this privilege born out in the human flesh. But he is also God Almighty. Come into this world absolutely perfect. And Jesus is like, answer this. How is it son of David and son of God? How is it Lord and the answer is because God Almighty has stepped into this universe in flesh clothed, and it's an amazing miracle. He's introducing them to the greatness of Jesus Christ. And uh, they really had no clue what was going on, but here's definitely their response. Why does he call him son of David and Lord? And they're like, oh man, that's a good question. Why does that happen? And the great throng heard him gladly like I don't know what it is but I'm sure he's got the answer hang on and they're hanging with him and then in his teaching he says beware of the scribes who like to and now he fills in their journey that is not love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself instead it's just love yourself and here's the list he says they like to walk around in robes in front of everybody the scribes, they liked to walk around in long robes. These long robes usually were white. They would show them off in the crowd as they would walk around and there would be this sort of an I'm important moment. I'm just gonna put some P words to these different ones. So they're walking around with the presentation. You need to know me, I'm pretty awesome. Long robes, they're walking around. And they like greetings in the marketplace. They like to walk around in their long robes and have people say, Hello, scribe, how are you, teacher? Good to see you, rabbi. They love to be welcomed and appreciated as they walk around. They like their popularity. They're for presentation, they're for popularity. Here's another one, they like to have seats in the synagogues and places in the honor at feasts. They like position. To even be placed above who's considered honorable, they like even more honor, or at least right with them. They want position. It's a huge deal. Presentation, popularity, position. Who devour widows' houses. Dude, that sounds horrible, right? Who devour widows' houses. And uh, the reality, this is profit. They're willing to take those who have little means and take what they've given. And for a pretense, make long prayers. Pretense. 
Therefore, presentation, popularity, position, profit, pretense, they're all about themselves. Jesus says they will receive the greater condemnation. Like literally, they're not saved, man. It's all about themselves. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. 